part one chapter three sections one and two of the possessed by fyodor dostoevsky translated by constance garnett this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter three the sins of others section one about a week had passed and the position had begun to grow more complicated i may mention in passing that i suffered a great deal during that unhappy week as i scarcely left the side of my affianced friend in the capacity of his most intimate confidant what weighed upon him most was the feeling of shame though we saw no one all that week and sat indoors alone but he was even ashamed before me and so much so that the more he confided to me the more vexed he was with me for it he was so morbidly apprehensive that he expected that every one knew about it already the whole town and was afraid to show himself not only at the club but even in his circle of friends he positively would not go out to take his constitutional till well after dusk when it was quite dark a week passed and he still did not know whether he were betrothed or not and could not find out for a fact however much he tried he had not yet seen his future bride and did not know whether she was to be his bride or not did not in fact know whether there was anything serious in it at all varvara petrovna for some reason resolutely refused to admit him to her presence in answer to one of his first letters to her and he wrote a great number of them she begged him plainly to spare her all communications with him for a time because she was very busy and having a great deal of the utmost importance to communicate to him she was waiting for a more free moment to do so and that she would let him know in time when he could come to see her she declared she would send back his letters unopened as they were simple self-indulgence i read that letter myself he showed it me yet all this harshness and indefiniteness were nothing compared with his chief anxiety that anxiety tormented him to the utmost and without ceasing he grew thin and dispirited through it it was something of which he was more ashamed than of anything else and of which he would not on any account speak even to me on the contrary he lied on occasion and shuffled before me like a little boy and at the same time he sent for me himself every day could not stay two hours without me needing me as much as air or water such conduct rather wounded my vanity i need hardly say that i had long ago privately guessed this great secret of his and saw through it completely it was my firmest conviction at the time that the revelation of this secret this chief anxiety of stepan trofimovitch's would not have redounded to his credit and therefore as i was still young i was rather indignant at the coarseness of his feelings and the ugliness of some of his suspicions in my warmth and i must confess in my weariness of being his confidant i perhaps blamed him too much i was so cruel as to try and force him to confess it all to me himself though i did recognize that it might be difficult to confess some things he too saw through me that is he clearly perceived that i saw through him and that i was angry with him indeed and he was angry with me too for being angry with him and seeing through him my irritation was perhaps petty and stupid but the unrelieved solitude of two friends together is sometimes extremely prejudicial to true friendship from a certain point of view he had a very true understanding of some aspects of his position and defined it indeed very subtly on those points about which he did not think it necessary to be secret oh how different she was then he would sometimes say to me about varvara petrovna 
how different she was in the old days when we used to talk together do you know that she could talk in those days can you believe that she had ideas in those days original ideas now everything has changed she says all that's only old-fashioned twaddle she despises the past now she's like some shopman or cashier she has grown hard-hearted and she's always cross why is she cross now if you are carrying out her orders i answered he looked at me subtly cher ami if i had not agreed she would have been dreadfully angry dreadfully but yet less than now that i have consented he was pleased with this saying of his and we emptied a bottle between us that evening but that was only for a moment next day he was worse and more ill-humoured than ever but what i was most vexed with him for was that he could not bring himself to call on the drozdovs as he should have done on their arrival to renew the acquaintance of which so we heard they were themselves desirous since they kept asking about him it was a source of daily distress to him he talked of lizaveta nikolaevna with an ecstasy which i was at a loss to understand no doubt he remembered in her the child whom he had once loved but besides that he imagined for some unknown reason that he would at once find in her company a solace for his present misery and even the solution of his more serious doubts he expected to meet in lizaveta nikolaevna an extraordinary being and yet he did not go to see her though he meant to do so every day the worst of it was that i was desperately anxious to be presented to her and to make her acquaintance and i could look to no one but stepan trofimovitch to effect this i was frequently meeting her in the street of course when she was out riding wearing a riding habit and mounted on a fine horse and accompanied by her cousin so-called a handsome officer the nephew of the late general drozdov and these meetings made an extraordinary impression on me at the time my infatuation lasted only a moment and i very soon afterwards recognized the impossibility of my dreams myself but though it was a fleeting impression it was a very real one and so it may well be imagined how indignant i was at the time with my poor friend for keeping so obstinately secluded all the members of our circle had been officially informed from the beginning that stepan trofimovitch would see nobody for a time and begged them to leave him quite alone he insisted on sending round a circular notice to this effect though i tried to dissuade him i went round to every one at his request and told everybody that varvara petrovna had given our old man as we all used to call stepan trofimovitch among ourselves a special job to arrange and order some correspondence lasting over many years that he had shut himself up to do it and i was helping him liputin was the only one i did not have time to visit and i kept putting it off to tell the real truth i was afraid to go to him i knew beforehand that he would not believe one word of my story that he would certainly imagine that there was some secret at the bottom of it which they were trying to hide from him alone and as soon as i left him he would set to work to make inquiries and gossip all over the town while i was picturing all this to myself i happened to run across him in the street it turned out that he had heard all about it from our friends whom i had only just informed but strange to say instead of being inquisitive and asking questions about stepan trofimovitch he interrupted me when i began apologizing for not having come to him before and at once passed to other subjects it is true that he had a great deal stored up to tell me he was in a state of great excitement and was delighted to have got hold of me for a listener he began talking of the news of the town of the arrival of the governor's wife 
with new topics of conversation of an opposition party already formed in the club of how they were all in a hubbub over the new ideas and how charmingly this suited him and so on he talked for a quarter of an hour and so amusingly that i could not tear myself away though i could not endure him yet i must admit he had the gift of making one listen to him especially when he was very angry at something this man was in my opinion a regular spy from his very nature at every moment he knew the very latest gossip and all the trifling incidents of our town especially the unpleasant ones and it was surprising to me how he took things to heart that were sometimes absolutely no concern of his it always seemed to me that the leading feature of his character was envy when i told stepan trofimovitch the same evening of my meeting liputin that morning and our conversation the latter to my amazement became greatly agitated and asked me the wild question does liputin know or not i began trying to prove that there was no possibility of his finding it out so soon and that there was nobody from whom he could hear it but stepan trofimovitch was not to be shaken well you may believe it or not he concluded unexpectedly at last but i am convinced that he not only knows every detail of our position but that he knows something else besides something neither you nor i know yet and perhaps never shall or shall only know when it's too late when there's no turning back i said nothing but these words suggested a great deal for five whole days after that we did not say one word about liputin it was clear to me that stepan trofimovitch greatly regretted having let his tongue run away with him and having revealed such suspicions before me section two one morning on the seventh or eighth day after stepan trofimovitch had consented to become engaged about eleven o'clock when i was hurrying as usual to my afflicted friend i had an adventure on the way i met karmazinov the great writer as liputin called him i had read karmazinov from a child his novels and tales were well known to the past and even to the present generation i revelled in them they were the great enjoyment of my childhood and youth afterwards i grew rather less enthusiastic over his work i did not care so much for the novels with a purpose which he had been writing of late as for his first early works which were so full of spontaneous poetry and his latest publications i had not liked at all speaking generally if i may venture to express my opinion on so delicate a subject all these talented gentlemen of the middling sort who are sometimes in their lifetime accepted almost as geniuses pass out of memory quite suddenly and without a trace when they die and what's more it often happens that even during their lifetime as soon as a new generation grows up and takes the place of the one in which they have flourished they are forgotten and neglected by everyone in an incredibly short time this somehow happens among us quite suddenly like the shifting of the scenes on the stage oh it's not at all the same as with pushkin gogol moliere voltaire all those great men who really had a new original word to say it's true too that these talented gentlemen of the middling sort in the decline of their venerable years usually write themselves out in the most pitiful way though they don't observe the fact themselves it happens not infrequently that a writer who has been for a long time credited with extraordinary profundity and expected to exercise a great and serious influence on the progress of society betrays in the end such poverty such insipidity in his fundamental ideas that no one regrets that he succeeded in writing himself out so soon 
but the old greybeards don't notice this and are angry their vanity sometimes especially towards the end of their career reaches proportions that may well provoke wonder god knows what they begin to take themselves for for gods at least people used to say about karmazinov that his connections with aristocratic society and powerful personages were dearer to him than his own soul people used to say that on meeting you he would be cordial that he would fascinate and enchant you with his open-heartedness especially if you were of use to him in some way and if you came to him with some preliminary recommendation but that before any stray prince any stray countess any one that he was afraid of he would regard it as his sacred duty to forget your existence with the most insulting carelessness like a chip of wood like a fly before you had even time to get out of his sight he seriously considered this the best and most aristocratic style in spite of the best of breeding and perfect knowledge of good manners he is they say vain to such an hysterical pitch that he cannot conceal his irritability as an author even in those circles of society where little interest is taken in literature if any one were to surprise him by being indifferent he would be morbidly chagrined and try to revenge himself a year before i had read an article of his in a review written with an immense affectation of naive poetry and psychology too he described the wreck of some steamer on the english coast of which he had been the witness and how he had seen the drowning people saved and the dead bodies brought ashore all this rather long and verbose article was written solely with the object of self-display one seemed to read between the lines concentrate yourselves on me behold what i was like at those moments what are the sea the storm the rocks the splinters of wrecked ships to you i have described all that sufficiently to you with my mighty pen why look at that drowned woman with the dead child in her dead arms look rather at me see how i was unable to bear that sight and turned away from it here i stood with my back to it here i was horrified and could not bring myself to look i blinked my eyes isn't that interesting when i told stepan trofimovitch my opinion of karmazinov's article he quite agreed with me when rumours had reached us of late that karmazinov was coming to the neighbourhood i was of course very eager to see him and if possible to make his acquaintance i knew that this might be done through stepan trofimovitch they had once been friends and now i suddenly met him at the crossroads i knew him at once he had been pointed out to me two or three days before when he drove past with the governor's wife he was a short stiff-looking old man though not over fifty-five with a rather red little face with thick grey locks of hair clustering under his chimney-pot hat and curling round his clean little pink ears his clean little face was not altogether handsome with its thin long crafty-looking lips with its rather fleshy nose and its sharp shrewd little eyes he was dressed somewhat shabbily in a sort of cape such as would be worn in switzerland or north italy at that time of year but at any rate all the minor details of his costume the little studs and collar the buttons the tortoiseshell lorgnette on a narrow black ribbon the signet ring were all such as are worn by persons of the most irreproachable good form i am certain that in summer he must have worn light prunella shoes with mother-of-pearl buttons at the side when we met he was standing still at the turning and looking about him attentively noticing that i was looking at him with interest he asked me in a sugary though rather shrill voice allow me to ask which is my nearest way to bikovy street 
to bikovy street oh that's here close by i cried in great excitement straight on along this street and the second turning to the left very much obliged to you a curse on that minute i fancy i was shy and looked cringing he instantly noticed all that and of course realized it all at once that is realized that i knew who he was that i had read him and revered him from a child and that i was shy and looked at him cringingly he smiled nodded again and walked on as i had directed him i don't know why i turned back to follow him i don't know why i ran for ten paces beside him he suddenly stood still again and could you tell me where is the nearest cab stand he shouted out to me again it was a horrid shout a horrid voice a cab stand the nearest cab stand is by the cathedral there are always cabs standing there and i almost turned to run for a cab for him i almost believed that that was what he expected me to do of course i checked myself at once and stood still but he had noticed my movement and was still watching me with the same horrid smile then something happened which i shall never forget he suddenly dropped a tiny bag which he was holding in his left hand though indeed it was not a bag but rather a little box or more probably some part of a pocket-book or to be more accurate a little reticule rather like an old-fashioned lady's reticule though i really don't know what it was i only know that i flew to pick it up i am convinced that i did not really pick it up but my first motion was unmistakable i could not conceal it and like a fool i turned crimson the cunning fellow at once got all that could be got out of the circumstance don't trouble i'll pick it up he pronounced charmingly that is when he was quite sure that i was not going to pick up the reticule he picked it up as though forestalling me nodded once more and went his way leaving me to look like a fool it was as good as though i had picked it up myself for five minutes i considered myself utterly disgraced for ever but as i reached stepan trofimovitch's house i suddenly burst out laughing the meeting struck me as so amusing that i immediately resolved to entertain stepan trofimovitch with an account of it and even to act the whole scene to him end of chapter three section two recording by expatriate in bangor maine